again, ladies and gentlemen. This is the In Control Family Foundation's podcast for safe driving. And today with me is Steve Moschel. He is a parent and the owner of Fresh Green Light. Hello, Steve. Hey, Dan. How are you? Great. Thank you for coming. And we have Jeremy Randall here again. Hi, Jeremy. Hello, Dan and Steve. Jeremy is our Director of Operations with In Control. Today we are going to be discussing driving on a quiet street. This is an opportunity for you to work with your young driver and find a quiet street to begin with and then do some driving with them. But before we get started there, I want to give Steve a chance uh, to talk a little bit about himself and his organization. Thanks, Dan. And uh, Jeremy, good to, good to talk to you as well. Well, I, I, I use parent in my title because first and foremost, my wife and I are parents of four uh, now grown adults. But at the time we started uh, Fresh Green Light 10 years ago, our oldest was just turning 16. And then as we looked around in our community, we were both in advertising at the time. We really struggled to find a driving school that we felt was um, effective enough and modern enough uh, to teach our kids how to drive. And and we had learned through some work in our advertising world of the dangers of teen driving and that car crashes were the number one killer of teenagers in America. And we're kind of shocked to find that. So we had an opportunity to leave the advertising world in 2008 and uh, started Fresh Green Light in 2009. And we've grown over the last 10 years to uh, a nice small business here in Fairfield County, uh, Connecticut. We have six locations here. We have a uh, location in Westchester County, New York, and then a franchise location in Illinois. So, you know, our approach, my approach to driver education is really more as a parent, focusing on making sure I give other parents the tools they need to create safe drivers in their home. And, that, and that's really the mission of our, 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 our folks at uh, Fresh Green Light. And uh, happy to be connected with you, Dan, and your great organization as well. Thank you, Steve. It's great to have you here. We may be a little late because the folks that are listening to this uh, podcast probably have already identified the driving school they're going to be using. But one thing I always try to make sure parents appreciate is choosing the right driving school is important. And I think, and this is not 100% foolproof, but most driving schools are trying to do the right thing. I think in Massachusetts, they're held to a particular standard as far as getting people their license. And so, you know, at the time that they have allotted, there's only so much they can accomplish. But I think most of the schools are trying to do the right thing. But my experience has found that if you call the school and talk to the people involved, you can pretty quickly figure out whether they take your teen's safety seriously and they're really working to help you, or if it's an organization that may be cutting corners and, and trying to just, you know, get the money. Uh, Steve, do you have some opinion on how a parent would find the best driving school for their teen? Yeah. And I think, uh, uh, again, we're in Connecticut, but I, I, I'm very familiar with Massachusetts. And, and one thing I'd say about Massachusetts, to your point, is that the laws and the oversight of driving schools in Massachusetts is very, very good. And, and in fact, probably some of the best in the country. Driving schools in general are going to have to be at a pretty high standard to get their certification. But to your point, it really is giving a call. It really is doing some research, like you said. Give a call to the school. Talk to them. It's like finding a tutor for your child or a, or a coach or a, a trainer or what have you. You know, you want to find a good fit for you. And I agree with you, Dan. You know, it, it is a business to get passionate about. It's not a business to get rich. And most people out there are doing it for the right reasons. And uh, I think, again, the, the advantage you have in Massachusetts is that the, the, the RMV has really put good, stringent oversight in place uh, for the driving schools. So you probably can't go wrong. Great. So 
On that, uh, Jeremy, I want to give you a chance to talk about the skills that we're going to be working on today and if you can kind of get us started. Sure. So last we left in skill four, we were working on backing up position of your vehicle. We were looking at how close are you to curbs, things along those lines. And so we're going to kind of pick up right where we left off. Ideally, for the start of lesson five, you're still going to be in that same large, mostly empty lot. And you're just going to start by practicing driving, maintaining a constant speed, smooth braking, smooth steering in the lot, just making sure we have a good handle over the control of the car before we actually hit the road for the first time. Um, Once we feel pretty comfortable with all that, we've made some circles around the lot, we feel comfortable, your team's ready to go out there on the road, you want to make sure that they really understand all of these street signs. You're hitting the, the real roads with other cars for the first time. Hopefully, you want to really find a quiet kind of block to drive around for this next skill set, but make sure they understand all the road markings, all of the signs, and, and just go through that with them first because it does. you don't want it to be a surprise to them. Oh, what does the yield sign mean? I don't know what that means. Right? We don't want to have those sort of issues. So I guess next we're, we're actually going to be out there on the road. And one of the main things that uh, you know, in control and most driving schools are going to look at is having some commentary driving. So Steve, I was hoping as somebody who's done this a lot, a lot more than in control anyway, could speak to commentary driving, what that really is. Yeah. Commentary driving is really great. And it's something that we use with all of our students. And it's something that parents can do really simply. And I guess I'd back up a second and say one thing that I hear from parents regularly is the need for tools to help them teach their children how to drive. Uh, Most parents went through driver's ed you know, let's say 20, 30, maybe more years ago, I'm being kind, and things have changed. So the idea of commentary driving is really uh, very quite simple. The teenage brain at 16 has not fully developed. It really doesn't develop cognitively till around uh, early to mid-20s. So things like scanning and things that we take for granted as adults don't really happen naturally to teenagers. So commentary driving is really simple. It really is asking your driver, your student, your teenager, to call out and say what they see when they're driving. So take a minute, drive down a street from one you know end of the block to the other and have them identify cars, pedestrians, kids playing, a bike, street signs. Do you say, not only I see a street sign, but I see a school crossing sign or a stop sign or a yield sign. But the point is to really try to get them in the mindset of scanning, uh, which is really key, scanning for hazards. And looking not only forward, but looking in the mirrors and things like that. So, again, take a minute, uh, say, okay, we're going to start commentary driving now. Let's just for the next minute, you tell me everything you see. And then I think what's what's ideal at the end is then take a a break, pull over to the side of the road, and maybe compare notes about what they saw, what you saw, see if there was something that you saw that they didn't. Uh, But commentary driving is great, and it can be used in all driving scenarios. So we're just getting out on the road now with this lesson. But gee, when you get out on the highway or you're out in the middle of traffic uh, on, a, on a busy city road or something like this, commentary driving is something that we could be using all the time when we're out driving. Steve, I'll just add, I think not only is this a great tool during the permitting process when you're driving with your new driver, but we've already mentioned this is a great thing to do with a future driver when you've got that 13, 14-year-old up in the front seat and they're driving along with you to start talking with them and having them, you know, treating it almost like a game together as you're going down the road. But I now have a driver in the house that's had her license well over a year, and we do this regularly. As you said, that whole cognitive development, it's going to be not just a combination of the brain fully being developed, but also experience. I don't feel like you're really 
someone who's mastered the art of driving, uh, and I use that term loosely if you're not necessarily trained properly, but you need about a thousand hours of driving to be considered a real experienced driver. And that's going to be well into your 20s for most people, unless they get some sort of job where they're driving regularly. So I think it's a good idea to constantly do this commentary driving with your new drivers well beyond them getting their license. Well, you make a really great point there, which is parents don't realize that they are really their students or their children's top role model when it comes to driving. And the research has shown they really start becoming aware of your driving habits as an adult when they're in middle school. So to your point, doing commentary driving when they're 13, 14, and also maybe taking a look at your own driving skills at that time is uh, really important. And to the second point that you make, we see a lot of our parents, and it's I think it's natural, but the minute their child gets their license, they think everything's over. We got through driver's ed. We got through the learner's permit process. We did the practice driving. He or she passed the road test. Oh, hallelujah. I don't have to drive them anymore to school. Well, fact is, that is the most dangerous time for your teenager to start driving because they're on their own now. You're not in the car helping them or their driving instructor's not. So keep attention on how they're driving. Still drive with them. Uh, look at apps, things like that. That first half, uh, half a year, year of driving is really crucial to pay very close attention. And I agree with you, Dan. You know, it's going to be a thousand hours. And I, the, the way we, we talk about it to parents, if you think about your kid's a tennis player or a lacrosse player or a dancer or a musician, they're not spending 12 hours in mastering their less their, their instrument. They're not spending 40 hours in mastering, you know, a backhand serve. It's thousands of hours. And, and driving needs to be taken that seriously because it, it is that kind of skill. The only thing I would add is, is you know, uh, younger people these days have their eyes down more often than they ever have before as passengers. And so when people are getting their license now, you know, they aren't used to looking around out the front window and looking around outside the car all the time. Maybe, you know, the way I grew up, uh, I didn't have a tablet in my hand, uh, you know, the, every time I was in the car. And especially I have a seven-year-old and, you know, when she finally looks up, she's like, oh, where are we? I didn't, how did we get here? You know, it's like, okay, put that thing down. Let's talk about where we are. And we even start doing that now at seven, right? And as much as she can see anyway. Uh, so I just wanted to add that in, add in there, but I really like, um, the modeling idea that we just had that keeps coming up. Students are, you know, your young drivers are going to be watching you and just keep that in mind. Well, that is something part of the brain development. Again, some studies have been done that show new drivers, particularly around 16, have a very narrow focus to vision when they're driving. So they're looking ahead, but they're maybe looking 45 degrees in each direction. They're not looking 180 degrees, let alone 360 degrees. So that idea of them staring straight ahead, that's actually very common for new drivers. And that's why commentary driving is so important because it gets them out of that habit of just looking straight ahead and, and looking left and looking right and looking behind to see what hazards could be reaching them. So great point. So Jeremy, let's talk about lane position. Sure. So, uh, you know, here in the guide, we're talking about three main driving positions. So you are in a lane and position number one, as I'm sure if you're following along here, you can see is just centered in the lane. And the easiest way to be centered in any lane is, is by keeping your eyes up. Steve just talked about that narrow field of vision. Well, a lot of uh, young drivers, newer drivers tend to have their eyes down towards the road in front of them. And so encourage them to pick their eyes further up, look further down the road in front of them, and they're going to have a much easier time centering themselves between the lines. Position number two here is a left position. So in other words, you're hugging the left side, the driver's side of the car to the line, the center line in this case. 
uh, depending on what sort of road it is. And the only reason you'd, you'd be in this position, potentially, if you're going to be making a left-hand turn, uh, if there's a bunch of parked cars on the side of the road, things along those lines, but you want to be used to driving in different positions. And the final is the right position, which is just hugging the passenger side or the right side of the car towards the either the the side uh, line or the curb on the side of the road, depending on what road you're on. And this would be if you're making a right-hand turn. That's mainly the only reason you'd be over there. But to practice and understand these positions is important. So you, you want to make sure you're, you're able to identify that there are different positions to be in and, and just kind of have your new driver understand that. Yeah, I'd say one of the one of the things we hear from parents is the nervousness of the new driver who drives too close to the right, and and because of course that's where the parent is sitting, and nervous the parent that their their student is going to sideswipe a car or something like that, and uh, so you know I think you know we're recording this in the middle of the pandemic, so uh, there's never been a better time to get out of the house and drive because the roads are empty, and now's a great time to practice all this stuff. Uh, you don't want to get out of your car. You want to practice social distancing and everything, but the idea of really getting out there and doing some practice driving is great. Getting comfortable with that center lane position is really crucial, um, and it just takes time, really, and so the more you can practice just driving on a simple street, the better. One thing I'd say about lane position two, which is that to the left of the of the center, this is really going to be common for students and drivers in general. When you think about the number of people who are out biking uh, right now, everybody and their you know uncle is out for a walk with their dog. The idea of approaching somebody who is on the road or a car or a parked car, this is where students get very nervous. Uh, they're not sure what to do. So having them feel comfortable adjust their car position a little bit over to the left. Maybe they're going to have to cross the center line to go around a UPS truck or something like that. All of that's okay as long as it's done safely. And again, another chance to have them look forward, look around, make sure it's safe to go around whatever hazard that is on the left. But that that lane position too, getting over to the left is something that is going to be uh, used really on a regular and a daily basis because we all do that. We drive around car, we drive around cars, we drive around UPS trucks, we drive around bikers and walkers all the time. So I, I think I'll take this opportunity to, when we went through the last set of drills where we were having the kids pull up alongside a line and try to judge the distance and get them practicing that, we, we basically said just to keep repeating those drills over and over and not just on the same day, but come back and do them. Similarly, this is going to be a situation where you're going to be on this quiet street. You're probably not, hopefully you're finding a street where you're not going to have a lot of other traffic traveling down it from time to time. And it gives you that opportunity to practice all this stuff many, many times to the point where, again, as a parent, you are going to be bored silly, but you want your teen to master this stuff because each one of these things are going to allow them to go on to the next thing. You don't want them going around the yellow line to avoid the UPS truck when there's an oncoming car coming towards them because they're going to be freaked out and who knows how they're going to react to that. You'd be surprised some of the things that a new driver will do if they've never had that experience. So let's get them really confident at being able to be in position one, being able to get to position two on the left side of that lane to go around something and not feel like they're in trouble. And Dan, I think this is a perfect time to chat a little bit about parents and their role in practicing with their your new driver. Uh, I'll just keep calling him the student. 
In Connecticut, driving schools provide eight hours of lessons. In Massachusetts, it's 12 hours. And a lot of parents, and I guess this would be my pet peeve as a driving school owner for, for, for 10 years now, is that a lot of parents assume that that eight hours of driving with us or 12 hours of driving in, in Massachusetts or whatever, however many hours you're doing with your driving school is going to be enough to teach your child how to drive and pass their road test. And if they didn't pass their road test, it's our fault because we didn't teach them how to drive. The reality is in Massachusetts, you're supposed to do 40 hours of practice driving. So if the school is doing 12 hours, that means two thirds of the work is on the parents. Uh, and that's really, really important. And that's why this tool is just fantastic. This whole program is, and I've mentioned this to you before, Dan and Jeremy, I think this is one of the best programs for parents in the country, if not the best program. It is really well done. It's really well thought out. And I would say most parents say, I would practice with my child. I don't know what to do. Well, you've got everything you need right here. And to your point, Dan, it's going to be boring, but it's more important than you could ever realize. And that 40 hours is is, is a baseline. I mean, the reality is the DMV and most educators think, uh, that you know, students should have at least a hundred hours of driving under their belt before they go for the road test. Because let's face it, the road test isn't as complicated as we'd like it to be. Uh, most students will be able to pass the road test if they've been driving a fair amount. But we really want kids to be safe drivers. That's the most important part. And and parents, I just can't overemphasize how important your role is in overseeing them here. And again, with this with this this program, you've got the tool. So just remember, your role is very important and if not more important than what we're doing at the driving school. And Steve, you're, you're seeing this as another foolish father of four. Um, you know, I find myself in the same category. It's not easy to find the time. Uh, and so you really have to work at it. In most families now, both parents are working if there are two parents in the family and kids have all sorts of, you know, different things that they need to participate in and this needs to be a priority. The same way we made whatever practice for whatever sport they're into was a priority. We made their school homework a priority. It's the most dangerous thing they're going to do for a good chunk of their lives. And they need to have as much time as possible focused on that. Yeah, now's a great, by the way, first of all, now's a great time to get out and drive because the roads are empty. But listen, you know, what, again, one of the things I laugh about is we do 15 hour or 15 classes with our students. And I believe it's the same in Massachusetts where you have to go to a driving school and do your classes 15 times. Well, that child, that student should be driving to the driving school every time. And I just, I kind of chuckle and, and also get a little annoyed when I see parents are dropping their child off at driving school and then picking them up from driving school and the student's not driving. You know, think every opportunity you have, if you're going to school, you're going to the grocery store, you're going to driving school, you're going to practice, whatever you have. And I think the other thing too, let's, let's, let's face it. It's not easy to be in uh, a car with your child uh, who's driving. And I had, my oldest son and I were great in the car together. My second son and I, we could not drive together. So his mom had to do it. Those are real. Don't want to you know pretend like that stuff doesn't exist, but find the parent who's going to take ownership and, and make sure you're practicing as much as possible. And there's plenty of times to do it if you can find it, because you're driving somewhere every day. I do want to take a, a minute to talk about emergency vehicles. And this is something, again, as a parent, you may not be doing this right. I mean, you, you, too often I see fire trucks, police cars approaching full sirens, and people are continuing to drive and aren't doing what they need to do. But in most states, if not all at this point, if you're hearing a siren, you are expected to pull over to the right, 
if it turns out that it's coming towards you or behind you, either way, you know, it's going to pass you or it's coming towards you, you're supposed to be pulled over to the right side. They recommend here, if you've got your driver driving and you have this experience, turn the music down if you happen to have it up and get over to the right as quickly as you can, safely. You don't want to bump into any bicyclists. You need to know what's going on and then let that emergency vehicle pass. And again, you don't always know where this thing's coming from, which is part of the reason why they want you to turn down any music that's going on so you can listen. But as you hear those sounds is when you should start to be acting. You don't necessarily have to pull over if it's coming down a completely different street or if they're going to turn well before you will approach that particular intersection. But you do need to be paying attention to emergency vehicles and get out of the way. And with that point, Jeremy, anything you can add with lesson three here in intersections? Well, you know, intersections are, are going to be the first complicated thing that your your new driver comes across. Really try to pick an intersection that's very calm. If you can stay in that same residential area, very quiet area, single lanes in each direction, and ideally use an intersection that has like a four-way stop, something like that, or, you know, a, a two-way stop and the other two have the right of way, something like that. Make sure that your young driver understands what those rules actually are, who has the right of way, things along those lines. And as you pull up to that intersection, right, you want to make sure that you're looking for other vehicles, pedestrian signs, you know, that commentary driving. You're going to check in the rear view mirror, see who's behind you. If it happens to be something with a uh, street light, right, make sure we identify well before you get to that intersection, what color that light is, what that light means, uh, and, and try to prepare the young driver for what they're going to do, need to do next. Chances are, you know, hopefully you can find that stop sign type intersection. And as you pull up, talk about that white line, the stop line, and that they need to stop before the bumper reaches that line and get themselves stopped. It's, it's sort of the basic idea how you'd approach an intersection, but it's really important to have those conversations ahead of time about what to expect when they get there, because some drivers might uh, adapt to it very, very well. And some might get very freaked out. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And you just want to try to avoid that, that stress. And remember what we've talked about for, for you as the coach that's in the car with them to stay really calm and stay relaxed. And if things aren't going well, oh, okay, let's pull over to the side here and let's talk more about it before we get there then. Right. So things along those lines. And I'm sure, Steve, you've probably got some uh, additional tips here that are that are going to be helpful as well. Yeah. In fact, we have a whole class. We have two hours on intersections as part of our curriculum because intersections are really the most dangerous place for new drivers. Uh, at least a third of, of crashes happen at intersections. And again, all the points that you just made, right of way, uh, people ignoring right of way, things like that. So a couple couple of points. Uh, that you made. I think finding that quiet street to get used to intersections is really important. One thing that students need to make sure they're doing is stopping at the stop line. There is a white line in the road. Parents, we probably don't pay attention to it like we should, but there is a white line. If you're on your road test and you go past that white line, you're going to fail your road test. If there is no white line, you stop before the stop sign. This is a very simple exercise you could do over and over, but making sure you're stopping, you can see the line, which means, by the way, you may have to stop and then scoot up before you go through the intersection. I can tell you as a parent and as a driver for many, many years, I had gotten into the habit of kind of rolling through the stop sign until I could see uh, what was happening left or right before I went through the intersection. You can't do that. 
it, it, again, you're going to fail your road test, and frankly, it's it's illegal. So, you know, this is where parents again we can learn and and educate ourselves again on on the right thing to do. But taking time at that intersection, commentary driving at the intersection is really important. You know, and another thing you may want to do in this exercise is before putting your child into the the intersection, maybe you take the wheel, drive around the block for a few times, and you do some commentary driving and demonstrate for them what you're thinking and what you're doing before you have them do it. But intersections are, are really crucial. And I think, again, practice makes perfect. The more you can do it, the better. The quieter the street early on, the better. It'll build their confidence. When you get out on the road with your new driver and you're driving around town, it is a great opportunity to realize how few stop signs are actually out there and how often you actually, you know, you know the roads, you know this is a pretty busy street coming onto another busy street, and for whatever reason, the town never put a stop sign there, but you have to stop. But when you're driving with your new drivers, sometimes they take this stuff very literal, and they don't see a stop sign, so they'll just wail through an intersection and take a right turn with barely slowing down, and it's a good opportunity to say, hey, listen, just because there wasn't a stop sign, there wasn't a stop line, this is still, you're coming into a situation where there could be oncoming traffic. Let's get it into a complete stop. Let's practice that. And then once you have your license, if you're driving somewhere where you don't know the roads, just because there's not a stop sign doesn't mean it's safe to just keep rolling through. I, I love something Steve said previously, which is, you know, that, that whole take your student for a ride with you driving first to get them used to this intersection, especially early on at this point in the driving. I think before you do anything new, maybe model it for them first. Here's what we're going to be doing. Here's where the stop sign actually is. Maybe it's hidden a little bit, right? Just as Dan, to your point there. And so I think whenever you can model it and show somebody first and just get them that much more comfortable with the skill they're learning, remember, they don't know anything and they're just learning this for the first time. So to, to be able to show them first, I think it's just really, really valuable and, and gets them used to the actual intersection. Later on, lesson 25, you might not be doing that quite as much, but it can still be useful there too. Well, I think we've done a great job of getting going on a, driving on a quiet street. Steve, I really want to thank you for participating with us. Jeremy, thank you again for being here with me. And for those of you who have joined us today and heard these safe driving tips, thank you for being there. And we look forward to you hearing us again soon. <laughs>